Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinvin, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing, fellas? Hey, boys, how are you? Feeling good? Feeling fine? Big week? Big win by the Raps last night? No big deal. Hey, everybody, great to be here, as always. Great movie today. Pretty excited. Exciting basketball game for sure last night, Webb. That was great to watch. So let's hope they keep it up, and let's get her going. What an unbelievable play by OG. Lowry just doing what Lowry does, dropping dimes. What a pass. With what a Taco shot. Fall in his face? Yeah. That's was that legit. Fall that was that yeah. was coming out on him? Taco came oh out, my yeah. God. Yeah, he, like, he just barely got it over him. It was incredible. It's crazy. Yeah. Today, we're taking a trip deep into the heart of Texas with Brian Robbins' 1999 pigskin hit, Varsity Blues. In America, we have laws. And it's just accepted that as a member of American society, you will live by these laws. In West Canaan, Texas, there is another society which has its own laws. We woke up in the twilight zone. West Canaan, sex and football, it's all there is. <laughs> I don't want your life. You disobey me, and I will bury you. I know about your scholarship to Brown. Only way we're going back out in the fields without you. Kilmer said, 48 minutes, the next 48 years of our lives. I say we go out there, and we'll leave it all out on the field. We got the rest of our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like gods. Let's be heroes. I don't know, boys. I'm 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 a little bit parched after that. After oh, that, yeah. You know? The I think mountains I... are calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dissect this movie, I think we should dive into our brew review. We're gonna do a little something different today. What do we got? What are we doing today, Webb? All right, boys. Well, again, because we're in this whole COVID pandemic thing, it's getting a little hard to get our hands on some of these beers. Uh, there is a prominent beer featured in this movie. The the fine Lone Star State would have been the Lone Star beer if we had our, our druthers. But again, we're not able to. But we did decide to go with something a little bit different. Because this is a high school movie, we decided to go back into the archives and get our favorite high school pint. So these would be the pints that we have a great high school affiliation with. So I'm going to throw it over to you, JR, to start with your choice for this pod this evening. All right, everybody. So the choice of mine was good old Molson Canadian, just straight up Molson Canadian. There's a couple reasons why this brings me back to memories of high school as I crack it. First of all, here's some of the reasons. It was always in the fridge, very, very easy to get my hands on, and it was always around there was also a couple other things. You never knew what to get when you were in the high school age. You weren't sure, and you didn't you didn't want to mess it up, or you didn't want to screw it up, so you just said, you know, give me, give me 12 Canadian, because you really didn't know many things about beer back then. It was either Canadian or blue, so I always ended up defaulting to Canadian. Finally, I remember vividly of splitting two fours with friends, and they used to come in half Canadian, half Coors Light, 
And you had never touched the Coors Light because you're like, I want the full Canadian. It's 5%. You can have the Coors Light. So you try to ha- drink it fast. So your buddies had to have the Coors Light. Case race. Case races. So yeah. those are some of my major things I always remember. And then one other thing I always remember of high school and Wilson Canadian is as you got older, you were 20, 21, you're getting older, you could always spot an underage kid at a bar. If they were drinking Molson Canadian, you knew that kid was underage because they didn't know what to order and they were panicking. So just like we all used to when we were 17, uh, give me Canadian because they're trying to act normal and not have the uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, uh moment. So cheers to me having a can of Molson Canadian lager probably for the first time in a long, long time. So I'm going to take a sip of it. Nice. That's an astute observation right very there. Very much, very much. The so. Molson Mixer Pack <laughs> case race. I had totally forgotten about that. Well done. Yeah, Gamer, think, what are we drinking for? The thing that was good about Canadian too was you usually got a toy, you usually got a hat or oh, a t-shirt. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, you got like an. A I can remember going hat. to some parties and we'd always pick that because you're like you got a little incentive. You got a toy or a hat. That's or right. They did with. give away a lot of stuff. Dude, yeah, so that's right. All right. So sorry, Jim. What are we drinking from you? I'm gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna take a trip down the old lane. And the this came to mind for me for high school because this is what my dad always had in the fridge. So I would always sneak a couple of these out. And I'm drinking OV Old Vienna. The premium qualité beer. This one also is a, a Molson product. Uh, I call it OV, old, old Vagina. But it's it's a good beer. I mean, I think, well, we'll see if it is. I haven't had one of these in, since I was in high school, probably. So I'm going to crack this one now and give it a shot. But yeah, for me, this was a beer that, it was in the fridge. It was easy to sneak out. I don't think my dad really kept a track on how many were in there. Maybe he did and just didn't care, but... It was an easy one to sneak out, so this was probably the first beer I was drinking when I was young. Pretty good choice. What do you got, Webb? All right, boys. Well, as we uh, may have heard in the intro, the mountains are calling. (laughs) So my choice this week uh, is inspired by my old uh, college roommate, good old classic Majoris, who I've probably watched Varsity Blues with about 30,000 times. Uh, We drank a lot of this in high school. Uh, We got into the kokanee. We got the the Glacier Fresh kokanee. They were the Blue Mountains before... (laughs) Coors Light had the Blue Mountain. So um, I'm a little nervous about this particular can, as uh, Jamer so informed me that when he was purchasing this this afternoon, it was buried under oh, a couple yeah. things. So it's been it's there for a while. Probably not the freshest of spring water in this one. <laughs> uh, and I may look like Harry from Dumb and Dumber on the toilet tomorrow, but we're going to get into it. And uh, we're going to see if the the the, uh, the mountains are still uh, calling uh, as much as they did in high school. I hope so. Are you going to have one and shred some fresh pow? Pow, pow, crazy. <laughs> All right, Jerry, what do you rate yours? I got to go Molson Canadian. I got to put it in and around 5.9. Now that I know what I know and as I've gotten a little older, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go 5.9. It'll do if I have to. An icy Molson Canadian, I'll still have one. Going 5.9. That OV wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. When I picked it up, I was like, Ooh, I wonder what this is going to be like. That wasn't that bad. That's a pretty crisp one. I'm not going to go into the sixes on this one, though, but I'm going to stick around 5.7. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm going to go with pretty low score on this one. It's not <laughs> It's not holding up. Uh, oh, gosh. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going with a 4-9. Oh, 4-9. I'll be struggling to get through this one today. The uh, only thing that's going to keep me going is this fantastic movie, that's for sure. Oh, boy. And, and just to kind of give you an idea why we did that, in the movie, they do show a lot of scenes where they're drinking beer, but the label that they have on it actually just says beer. Mm-hmm. So it looks like kind of like a Budweiser one, but it just says beer. And that's, I'm assuming, because it you know, they couldn't get a sponsor for it or whatever it may be. Okay, so as we mentioned, uh, today we're doing Varsity Blues. It was directed by Brian Robbins, written by W. Peter Liff. I think I'm off on that one. Liff? When people have, like, an initial before they're, like, they say W. Peter, mm-hmm. like, that throws me off a little bit. Anyway, W. Peter Liff, I believe the name is. Uh, it's released in 1999, produced by MTV Productions. Distributed by Paramount Pictures, he got a 6.5 rating on IMDb and 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. Budget of 16 million and achieved 54.3 million at the box office. Big hit. Wowie. Um, music by Mark Isham, starring James Vanderbeek, John Voight, and Paul Walker. R.I.P. Paul Walker. R.I.P. Paul Walker. Yep. Movie synopsis: In small town Texas, high school football is a religion. In his 30th year as head coach, Bud Kilmer is trying to lead his West Canaan Coyotes to their 23rd division title. When star quarterback Lance Harbour suffers an injury, the Coyotes are forced to regroup under the leadership of Jonathan Moxon. 
a second-year quarterback with a slightly irreverent approach to the game. Varsity Blues explores our obsession with sports and how teenage athletes respond to the extraordinary pressures placed upon them. Let's jump into our character review. Let's start out with our boy, Johnny Moxon, played by James Vanderbeek. John Moxon. What can I say about John Moxon? He is one of those guys who's obviously an academic. He has bigger sights set than just the game of football, no question. I really liked his character. I'm not going to lie. He's one of those people who didn't get sucked into the vortex of football. He loved football. But it didn't end up being, you know, his being, you know, that's not my life kind of comment that he had. He's not a robot. Um, he is one of those kind of people in sport to me that gets in trouble for thinking critically. You know, you always want people to think critically. And then all of a sudden, if someone actually thinks critically, a coach like a Kilmer is like, what is wrong with you? You're a nobody. He's trying to think things outside the box. He actually has a really good offensive mind. Oop de oop. The oop de oop. I mean, those kind of things you start to see of him. You're like, this guy, and he has a sweet car. And you see a lot of things where you're like, this guy actually has a great, his football IQ and his total IQ is high. I don't know, Webb. And he seems like one of those guys that just kind of needs out. Unreal car. Uh, I'm questioning how the heck he actually affords that un- unreal car, given mm-hmm. that nobody in this town apparently works because they all come to watch football practice um, <laughs> and show up from you know to parties. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I think you nailed the head there, uh, nailed it on the head there. Sorry, Jr. Where you were talking about how he kind of thinks outside the box, and again, that speaks to the fact that he really wants out of this town, right? And and I don't want your laugh. Like he, he really wants to go on to do different things and he doesn't necessarily see football as his way out. He sees using his brain as his way out. So, you know, I, I love him. I, I would argue that he's actually a better quarterback than Lance Arbor. Uh, I think he, he, because he's able to think critically, he seems to be a little bit more mobile. Um, and he seems to have a compete factor a little bit more than Lance to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. He does. He competes really hard. He way more than what you think. And I could see why coaches would hate him, though, because he would question things. And in football, they just want somebody that's going to follow the game plan. He's a leader, too. Yeah. He's a better leader than Lance. Ultimate glue guy, too. I mean, yeah. hey. he, he keeps he the ship together. Guy. When the ship is going down, he keeps it together and reroutes it. So definitely, I think you guys nailed everything. The only thing I'll add in, he's got the baggiest jeans I've ever seen. Oh, I noticed that. Those were some serious carpenter <laughs> jeans he had on. <laughs> That's for big time. A couple small West Canaan families uh, are living in his pants. Yep. Holy And uh, as far as like Vanderbeek goes, I wasn't buying that Texas accent. I was a little weak. but I thought he did an okay job. I'm yeah, better better than nothing for a guy from where? Where is he from? Is he Canadian? Or is it just because the show is so. Canadian? Yeah, I don't think he's Canadian. I think he's from like Connecticut or something. I mean, Jamer, I'll give you that one. Having spent time in Texas, you're, you know, I'll take your Texas accent comments for to be pretty well, valid on it that It wasn't one. the worst one. It wasn't like Arnie. You know, <laughs> yeah. like sticking Arnie in as Crash Davis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with his accent, like I know it wasn't the world's greatest, but I kind of got used to it a little bit. Yep, and it didn't bother me yeah. in the movie at much. I didn't think oh. it was really like, but I know what you mean. But I thought he still yeah. carried the character well. Oh, he did. He had great mannerisms. He was very natural. And yeah, he was. Yeah, did a good job. Let's move on to Bud Kilmer, played by Johnny Voigt. Bud Kilmer, uh, besides being not the nicest of individuals, I think he's an overrated coach. How you can win that many titles and how you can, uh, win two state championships and still only be a high school champ or high school coach is a little bit beyond me. I would think you would get a call up to a bigger job at that point. I mean, it goes to show you just how much of an asshole he really is. The, 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 I guess the redeeming piece for me is at the end where he kind of realizes just how much of an asshole he is and where he's kind of gone when he's looking at that coach of the year trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's partly just to the respect he probably, the the director or whoever probably had for John Voight as a character or as a an actor to kind of make it look like hey like I don't want to totally bury this guy and have him be typecast as this asshole because <laughs> he's such a great actor so yeah I think they probably just threw that in there maybe uh, and and I was I was thinking about other characters for him so I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think of that because I had a couple guys in mind but um, Jr what do you think I have him uh, first of all I thought John Voight did a great job amazing. He was fantastic. I thought he he really, he like, it. in a cast of such young people, he really provided, like, that rock of a veteran seasoned actor in there to me, where you're like, okay, this guy's been around the block a few times, and you can tell his role is really critical for those mocks and those people to play off of. So kudos to him. Uh, to me, Webb, you know how you mentioned how he didn't go to his school? I think his ego is so big that he can't be a coordinator. 
Oh, I don't think he could come on as an enough. OC or an, a quarterback's coach or something like that. Uh, his offense, when you know, it's pretty simple. You know, he talks we're a running team. You're like, okay, it's literally like a counter to Wendell. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a power, it's a boring yeah. power eye. As a coach, I mean, to me, he's just your small town America ego power trip kind of guy. And he's very happy where he is. He wins a lot for sure. He has a wealth of talent and a pipeline that feeds to him. They talk about how they play at a younger ages and that that core of guys played all the way up through. And there's something to be said about the continuity that you build, especially in a game like football. If you have Mox or Harbor and Tweeter and Wendell and the Billy Bob, the all that kind of stuff. If you look into it deep and you geek out, it's just they've played together forever. The coach could be anybody at this point. That's true. Yeah. They've played together so long. So I think he's a horrible human being. The needle things is unbelievable. Unfortunately, I think that happens, folks. So kind of what it was. That is, they're they're tapping into something here, and yeah. um, the coach, the yelling, the screaming, the things like that. I only spent a little bit of time playing some football in the United States, but it's pretty intense. Yeah. Going there from Canada, I had no idea. And I remember I practiced. I was like, this is wild. That's all I had. Now, we didn't have a coach at Kilmer, but we had a yeller and a screamer. That's for sure. And this was in northern USA. I can only imagine Texas Jammer. Yeah. No, I think you guys nailed it. I think John Voigt did a terrific job. I thought he was really believable. You know, those scowls, those facial expressions, his tone, the way he did it. I thought he really nailed the job. I think there's a dark part, like a, a, a haunted past, so to speak. For this character that we don't know about. Like you mentioned it, Webb. Like you've stayed in this town for 30 years with all that success. Like why didn't you move on? And I think you made some really good points, Jer, about like, well, this guy has too big an ego to just take Mm. a coordinator role, which you would have to if you're going to move to a college. So there's definitely some that aspect aspect of it. But I like, you know, they don't ever mention a family or anything like that. Like he might have had a dark past where he lost his family or something or other, right? Like there's, there's some darkness behind him. You almost wonder at the end to help save the character a little bit, Webb, when you said he realized that if you kind of saw him maybe reflect and all of a sudden he looks at a picture or something, yeah. it might be too cheesy. I don't know. If it that might have be been a bit too cheesy why they did For the it. movie, because it might yeah. take away from that momentum of them coming out of the locker room, like pumped yeah. up with basically Lance Harbour and Wendell is coaching. Well, and it takes, <laughs> it takes away from the yeah. fact that football is this guy's entire life, right? Yeah. It's everything yeah. about who he is. It's uh, his identity, everything. Absolutely. Um, so point. did you guys have anybody else in mind for this role? Because I have somebody Ooh. and I'm curious to know who you guys have. If you had I didn't really think about it because he did such a good job it never really popped into my head i didn't really either web i'm just trying to think like a couple seconds to think and i'll toss it over to you uh maybe no i have nobody to be honest so the only other person i was saying because i i agree void did a fantastic job but the one person i could also see who would have done a really good job of this but i don't know now looking i just looked him up to see where he was actually from you guys know Michael Rooker? He played oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Roddy in Days of Thunder. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, And he's always such a mean dude and like a lot of other stuff. He, he plays, could like, have been Guardian there. of the Galaxies. Uh, yep. He's a Merle in The Walking Dead. He yeah. can be a mean SOB. He, I think he would have been fantastic in this. He's from yeah. Alabama, so that maybe the accent piece would have been could, a little bit harder to pull off. But I think he could have done it. They're pretty close, Alabama. and Yeah, yeah I mean, there's southern United States could, there, so... As we were talking before, we were talking a bit about uh, earlier before we started uh, That's a good recording, pick, uh, Tim McGraw. Yeah. Do you think Tim McGraw could have played this role? Too young at the time. He I think so, been, too. Yeah, he would have yeah. I just don't think ninety nine. You need an older guy. Yeah. But like, I'm wondering, like, the angry part, how he plays in... Um, Tim McGraw's a good actor. Was it Fr- Friday Night Lights, right? He's the angry... He's the drunken yeah, he's old. He's the drunken, drunken dad. dad. Like, yeah, that character that maybe could... I don't know. I just You just gave me an extra second to think, so yep. I was just kind of coming off the top of my head. Anyway. Let's move on to Lance Harbour, played by Paul Walker. Oh, I like Lance. I like Paul Walker, period. I really enjoyed his movies. He was in almost every movie I think he was in, I enjoyed. So right away, I always do like Lance Harbour. Pure QB, star. He has this rock star QB1. He's good looking. The way he talks. Handsome bastard. Handsome. The way he, everything about him is QB1. Compared to Mox. He has the swagger of that small town. They needed a mop in that gym after that. Prep, oh, when he prep, had that dream. rally speech. When he had a dream, look out! <laughs> I again, this kind of hits on. I mean, years later again of um, the program, but the Florida State piece still. Florida State still very relevant in 1999. Yep, that's the that might be the Michael Vick game. They won the Especially national title. I think that yeah. year they beat Virginia QBs Tech for, for the sure. national title. And you're in the Winky days, all those kind of people. So FS, I think we. I, probably wrong but quick F- side note yeah 
You know who who was the top quarterback in the nation in the 1983 age uh, group who committed to Florida State? Baseball player, could be a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. arguably. Played for the Minnesota Twins. Jack Morton? Joe Maurer. Oh, oh Joe Maurer. 1983 or 93? 1983 birth. Oh, 83 birth. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Joe Maurer. Oh, yeah. He was like Mr. Football. Yeah. He was like the top ranked quarterback in the country. Yeah. But, he absolutely. W- but the Twins picked him first overall. So he was like, eh, he did you okay. Know, 500 million or $5 million signing bonus. Eh, I'll take that. And probably, he's from there, right? And he probably yep, has a hundred. He's from St. Paul. 100 million in the bank. He's a, he's good. He yeah. picked the right choice. Anyway, on Lance Harbor, sorry, I, I, I really track. enjoyed him. Thought he was great. I kind of like, you know what I do like in that movie? How they brought him back and kept him in the movie. It wasn't yeah. like goodbye. They kind of got his surgeries over, brought him back. I enjoyed him a lot. Thought he was a great character. Too good looking to keep out of that movie. Very well, I was, true. I was trying to think, like, is this his first big movie, Paul Walker? It's got to be up there. When was Skulls? It, I, I Skulls was is after this, but is it? that yeah. would that was. I, I got to think this is one of his like coming out movies. I think like, it was. He he's not in a he's not in it a whole ton, but like you said, the fact that he comes out. I mean, I don't know. He he doesn't offer a lot in terms of in-depth he's important for the the arc of the story obviously i i just you know he's believable yep. you, you like all the things you said he's a man rocket you know he he he's your typical prototypical qb1 comes across kind of dumb he's got a football mind but yep. like in terms of his actual intelligence he comes across kind of slow yep. mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know i don't really have a whole lot more to add than what jr had the J, uh, jammer yeah, I mean, it wasn't a lot of acting. Like, no. he's kind of had this G.E.R. shucks type of thing throughout it. You know, giggly, super good-looking guy, though. I mean, you gotta He's told <laughs> to stand there and smile. Yeah, yeah he's, pretty he's, much. he's great for the movie posters, you know. He's bring them in. So, yeah, I think you guys nailed it. Let's move on to our good old boy, Billy Bob. No last name. Ron Lester. Billy Bob, surprisingly more depth than you would think, right? Um, hilarious, provides the comic relief in this movie. Also, again, important for the the major kind of story arc of of Mox taking over the reins, and I, I actually really enjoy enjoy his character. I think he he did it a really really good job. He's believable, you know, as a big old lineman who's kind of quirky and out there, um, who's always going to be looking after the quarterback and and taking care of him. You know, we kind of saw that in the program, but this guy just takes it to a whole new other level because he's from Texas and they do everything <laughs> bigger in Texas. Yeah, he's hilarious, great one-liners, hell of a truck, hell of a pig, or dog. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. And the fact that he's slugging maple syrup from the bottle like that is just hilarious to me. <laughs> JR, what do you think? Uh, I had him as another great glue guy. A huge glue guy. He's this team's pretty, full of those guys. Yeah, a lot yeah. of good glue guys. Obviously, they're successful. And there's a reason why he's good at what he does when you have the, all the star players are all his very good friend. Yep. So there's something that he's doing right. Uh, I said he moves okay for a bigger guy and seems like, a, again, a very reliable friend. Hell of a dancer. Hell, heck of a dancer yeah, out he's there. He's at work. Um, Ron Lester, I don't know how old he was in this role. 28. A couple side shots. He looked a little older. He's 20 um, years old. The other guys were younger, so he, he was, but, you know, he kind of pulls it off. He did pull it off, and the idea... Baby-faced. When he played through, the concussion part was sad. You're like, this is a tough one, and that goes back to the Bud Kilmer win at all costs. Pretty realistic. Kind of thing. Yeah. Very realistic, I yeah. thought, yeah. And, I mean, we'll probably talk about that a little later. Yep. But, uh, overall, Billy Bob is a great character. He was the comic relief, like Webb said, and provided the voice of the O-line kind of thing. And you got that perspective of how he let felt bad because he, you know, he basically passed out from his injuries and mm-hmm. his buddy got hurt, wet, uh, Jamer. Yep. I don't really have anything to add. You guys nailed it all. Let's move on to Charlie Tweeter, played by Scott Kahn. Also in the room with us right now, ladies and gentlemen. hey If you look at Jamie, we'll take a picture. Uh, he's wearing a cowboy hat and a Charlie Tweeter 8-2 blue jersey right now. And it's pretty good looking. I'm not going to lie to you, yeah. Jamer. Well played. Yeah, Charlie division Tweeter. division champ. I was a division champ. I earned it. Charlie Tweeter. I I think you guys may agree with me. This is the epitome of the guy who peaked in high school. This guy we heard that? is the guy who yeah. peaked in high school. He's, Tweeter drinks beer or drank beers because Tweeter drinks beers. He's caught in <laughs> that high, high school bubble. This is basically going to be the end of the line for Tweeter. Right oh, after yeah. he's pouring those two beers on his face he's after pe- they win, he's done. I don't know if the uh, the local Aldi is hiring or not in uh, West Canaan, but Webb, that's basically what I have on him. I was going to say, I don't know if he's, he might not survive the syphilis or whatever it is that he's picked up that he's looking at down yeah, there. God knows what he's got. <laughs> yeah, he may, he may be an Al Capone fate there. Yeah, I mean, Khan does a great job in this. Like Absolutely. He's, he's 
he he's believable as the prima donna receiver who kind of just goes out on his own you know he's marching to the beat of his own drum so to speak i mean is con a believable receiver not to me because he's so tiny, but I yep. mean, uh, he does. He plays the part well. He does the job in this movie. And, a good uh, JUCO receiver. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he he'd be on an episode of uh, Last Chance You or something. You get Buddy Buddy Stevens. He's, there bring, he's bringing the shit. Bring the shit. Con did a good job. Yeah, he did do. Yeah, he did a great for job for sure. He's a glue guy. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I think you guys nailed a lot of it. He's a glue guy, he, and like you mentioned, Jr. This team's filled with a lot of guys. They loved playing together. Totally if, did. That's half the battle. If you have a team of yeah. guys that just love playing together and love hanging mm-hmm. with each other, mm-hmm. especially in high school, yeah, oh, you're gonna win. Like some of the best teams I ever played on, guys just love playing together. Didn't have the best talent. Yeah, go through the wall for you. Absolutely. Let's talk about Julie Harbor, uh, Lance's sister that dates uh, Johnny Moxon, played by Amy Smart. Uh, smoke show number one. There's something about. Uh, her look in this movie that makes it seem like any guy could get an attainable girl like this. Like she seems attainable given that she's so hot. Um, so that, that stood out to me, but she does a fantastic job at keeping Mox grounded, um, not letting his head get too big. And you can tell how important she is to him because when he's, you know, going through his major crisis of uh, conscious there, she's the, uh, the person that he look, looks to and leans on. Um, seems like a pretty caring sister, like wants to be there for, for Lance as well. And, uh, yeah, I just think she, she's bound for bigger and better things than, uh, Wes Canaan, that's for sure. She definitely was. She was definitely one of those people who was bound for bigger and better things. It was going to happen no matter what in that instance. Uh, I think Smart did an excellent job as well. And she played a great role of the kind of, I think she has some of the girl next door characteristics to her. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, she, yeah, she's a beautiful woman for sure. No question. And she, but she also carried the role of, yeah, intelligent, driven, smart, and had no interest in getting caught up in Mox and Mania. Um, and well, you talked about kept him grounded, you know, when she's, oh, look, watch this, John, everybody, John Moxon, is that my window? And then watch that. And then she, but you could tell she was sad, got, did seem like a good uh, little sister and a very, very important character to this movie because yep. she was that one high school person who didn't get caught up in the mania all the time. Yeah. Yep. And you can't have everybody all the time in it. So it kind of was neat, Jammer, to kind of have that character in here. Yeah. She, like you guys mentioned, she grounded Mox. Uh, I, I love that one scene where he's kind of talking about his dilemma at the end and she calls him like a whiner. You want some wine with that cheese or whatever? She yes. Says? You know what I mean? Like she, she had that part of in her too, like where she could help him like sort through that. I, she was a great character. Uh, yeah, I've always had a crush on Amy Smart. She's awesome. And do you want to go watch trains with her, Jamer? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I love her in, uh, uh, what's the movie? Just Friends with, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds. This is a hilarious movie. She, Plays Jamie Palomino in that. Great. Anyway, uh, are there any other characters that kind of jump to mind for you guys you want to talk about? Well, the uh, go without saying Darcy. Darcy's super important because she's basically the opposite. With the whipped cream bikini. The whipped cream bikini is iconic. <laughs> yeah. Like Ali Larder, thank you. Because that is an iconic, oh, yeah. thing, an iconic scene in this movie. You can't think, think of this movie without thinking of that scene. We have to bring it up. Yeah, it's true. We have to bring this up. The one thing I know this kind of weird, but... I noticed, and you're going to be like, J.R., what is wrong with you? Okay, so when she's on top of the washing machine with Lance Harbor, and when she's getting changed in the car, she has the same bra on. She's only got one. I wondered that, and who knows? I have no idea. Maybe they filmed it in the same thing. That was just one of those random things that I kind of noticed. I was like, oh. It's her go-to. It's her Friday night bra. It could be the Friday night one. I don't know. (laughs) It's the easiest access bra. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if they just film two scenes in like 20 minutes and then like go do this one next. Probably. I have no clue. I kind of just wonder. Yeah, that's probably. probably most likely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's good like job we got her for these four days. Let's film all these scenes in the last four days. Exactly. And yeah, she did a great job. I thought was a detail guy. He is a detail She was guy. an important character to that movie though because you needed that person with the low self-esteem as well. Beautiful, but with low self-esteem. Mox kind of said, you can do a lot better and just be yourself. And she was going to get herself out of there too. Yep. On her own. Yeah, she's important for Mox's character development in a lot of ways. I mean, there's the, you know, having to to decide what he's going to do in terms of the girl situation, but also um, 
kind of showing that he he's just an all-around nice guy in general mm-hmm. and like wants the best for the people in his life right mm-hmm. there's a couple to me I, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh one that's you know not that surprised so like the teacher miss davis is a, a huge one right like tan yeah tan. she's a tan Damn. um and uh a hell of a dancer um, but I'm going off the board. I, I was I was teasing Jr. with this one today that my uh, my quotable character is uh, Elliot. Oh yes, oh. Boner Elliot. Bo- Boner is is Boner one of them? <laughs> uh, it cracks me up every time because you know like there's always that guy Pure when you're in high circle. school that oh, was yeah. just kind of like. I don't know. They kind of you felt bad for him, and then all of a sudden they'd have like that one liner that would come out. And like if I was in that class and he dropped that boner line in high school, I'd be on the floor crying. <laughs> I think we all would. Yeah, yeah. yeah and like the sure. kid's sideburns are like down, like and his hair is like a perfect line. Like he just looks so weird too. Like it's just hilarious for me. I'm going <laughs> Elliot off the board. Yeah. That's awesome. You no, know, I just want to touch on a couple of guys, which were the dads, Sam Moxon and Joe Harbour. Like, oh, yeah. It's like classic, like, Texas. live vicariously through your kid in deep Texas. You oh, know. yeah. Oh, just classic. I'd throw Stubby Tanner, the announcer in there. The oh, yeah. Commentator, yeah. the guest commentator with the very Justin mo- boot. <laughs> very moist speakers. They would not be able to do well in this COVID no, era. definitely not. Um, <laughs> let's jump into to our quote. I've, I've got a little compilation. I actually had... They didn't have anything that I could like play with, so I actually put this one together today. Attitude's wrong. Your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity for here. you. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. Minimum year and a half, if ever. Oh no, no. Lance's ride, his scholarship to Florida State. Camera gonna eat his ass. Watch this. See. We do things around here my way. You understand that? You think you're in some fancy school? Bullshit. You show me the kind of smarts. Makes me wonder if you know the difference between a sneeze and a wet fart. You're going to be second string all your life, boy. Man, Kilmer loves to bag on your boy, Sammy. Been on him all season. Oopty oop. Give me a break. Oopty fucking oop. Give me a break. I stood up to it. So will he. I just want you to know that I am 18. And I have had sex with older women before. I, it, just, it was topical. It was erotic. It, I gave it a 9.5. I still got wood. Still. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Ooh, sporting some two now. Are you a winner. Throw the damn ball. Come on, Johnny. You got Sit on the bench. Show us what you do best. He's chicken. Yeah, he is a chicken. <laughs> Throw that damn ball! Hey, you feel like chicken tonight? You nut! I raised you to be a winner, so damn it, boy, win! Fire that fucking pig skin! The male action? Uh, pitching a tent, sporting wood. Bicycles formed, marches on. Jonathan. Stiff, stiffy Mr. Mortis. Rigor Mortis is set in. Flesh Rocket, uh, Jack's Magic Beanstalk, Tall Tommy, Mushroom on a Stick, Mr. Mushroom Head, Purple Headed Yogurt Slinger. And uh, Pedro. Pedro? Mm hmm. One thing this movie had was just like classic drawn out scenes with. Awesome quotes. Oh, totally. Did. A lot of high school humor in this one. Lo- for sure. Lots of high school humor for sure. Like just things like from that era because we grew up as high school kids when this came out. Yeah, it's so our time. This was our time. That was pretty funny. How about anything that stuck out for you boys that you want to talk about? I had one and I couldn't find exact word for word. I was trying to write it down, but it really caught my ear from 1999. And it was Wendell talking to Mox at the lockers. And Wendell's upset because he's not getting the touchdowns. And then he's, you know, he's, he's saying, you know, Kilmer, or, you know, Bud Kilmer, racist, et cetera, which he was. Yeah. And Mox said, I feel you. He said, you don't feel me, Mox. And that conversation, I thought to, to modern day relevant. time, I was like, that is relevant to today. Super and relevant. And it holds up completely because Wendell wasn't getting touches. Yeah. And he wasn't getting touches in the red zones or, in, you know, within the 15 yards. So that really, I, I've watched the movie before. But then, you know, in modern times, that quote, I, I grabbed that one right away. I heard that one really doesn't quickly. That just, doesn't that just show you white privilege? 
hundred percent. Like, yeah, you know, that's what it is. It's like Johnny's so consumed in what he's doing that that never even like <clears throat> came into his mindset that his workhorse, the guy that's getting him mm-hmm. all the opportunities to drop back in the pocket and make plays because they can pound the ball. That guy, you know, he has no concept of wow, like this has actually happened to this guy. Like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's just pure. And it wouldn't come into his mind that that, you know, this would be happening under under his watch. Yeah. Uh, lines for me, I'm going to go, uh, Tweeter, do you think you're going to enjoy prison? Uh, that's a good <laughs> one for me. Love that one. Um, the end there when, when Mox is kind of doing the wrap up, Billy Bob cried because he's a crier and <laughs> Tweeter drank beers because, well, Tweeter likes beer, and and uh, and he talks. Those ones always make me laugh. Uh, the Tweeter end zone dance when he's talking about when Tweeter's doing that, it makes me laugh pretty hard. Um, there's 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 some really good ones here that are just kind of classics. The Tian, um, you know, they're all good. They're all funny. Yeah. The Billy Bob quote, first time I ever heard it, the Pukin Rally quote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pukin Rally. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I was going to say. It's you, iconic. You're thinking about calling some dinosaurs. That's also a that's good a one. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim? I, I like the one where the cops show up and he talks about oh, their, yeah. ma- their mount me hats. <laughs> mount me? Well, maybe not now, but after a couple of beers. <laughs> that whole scene. You're right. I'm going to go home. I've had too much. <laughs> He's walking back. He's and taking you know the something. car. <laughs> that was a good one. And I like, you kind of touched on it, Webb. Uh, I like how they, how Johnny Moxon's narrating. So yeah. he, they bookend the movie with him. So he like starts out as a narrator and then he ends the movie as a mm-hmm. narrator. It's almost like he's telling that story, right? It's very so I, Pony I, Boy Curtis. It is yeah. very Pony Boy very Curtis. Very much so. Very you good. know, Jamer, the scene you're talking about with Scott Kahn. When he's walking back, he almost he has that look like he's gonna do something all the time in this movie. You can just tell. And he's he kind of does disturber. in the other movies, like the Oceans movies too, you can tell yeah. he's just gonna do something all the time. Like you wonder in school or something if he was kind of a Oh, he's a mischievous well, that, little yeah, yeah. You're just like, Oh, you're up to something. Well, why do you think that like uh his dad went bald or not bald, but uh gray so early? Yeah. It's true. You know what I mean? Like imagine him as a toddler. He's oh. always got a shame. Like, he was on Ritalin for, for sure. For sure yeah. Totally was. Oh, yeah. You know, James Conn got some grays early because of this kid growing up. Right? I was going to totally. say the other scene with Tweeter is when the the loser 1980 guy comes and he whacks him in the junk with a yeah. baseball bat. Like that <laughs> is stupid. Everybody would get hit in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stupid name for that TV show. We should call it getting hit in the nuts. Like it's pretty funny. You're a class of 1980. Go home. Yeah. Just go home. Don't yeah. be there. And your jacket still fits. Come on. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. fit. All right, let's jump into some little-known facts. So some quick ones here. So Paul Walker actually broke his leg during the filming. So I wonder if they kind of wrote more of that story based on that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, maybe. It's a, I mean, it's a good story. You expect, there's no way Johnny starts unless he hurts his knee. But they, maybe they changed what the injury would have been based on Paul Walker breaking his leg. Was he might have been on crutches then. Like, yeah. Is that like How many scenes, I'm trying to think, is there only like the one game where we actually see lance as a qb in the game right kind of the first no one. there was two two one oh, and a half. i guess th- like but we don't really see much of him in the first one actually like make any big plays do we he looks smooth though he, yeah. he has he has a good uh seven drop step or whatever it was and then he does yeah. the nice shift over he does like kind of like the rogers when he drops back and does that kind of shimmy in terms of jamer's words he's a little silky oh, <laughs> oh. that's a jamer all i know is a little silky a little silky in there <laughs> mox has got mox has got a cannon yeah. yeah, Mox got Mox has probably got a better arm. I'm, I, he may not be as accurate. I got a note on that though, or maybe he is. You know I don't what? Know. I got a note on that later. They, right. they both have great QB names. Yes, amazing names. Both names are awesome. Moxon yeah. and Herber. Yeah, like, these are great names. Lance and Herber. apparently they have fantastic sign guys. Yeah, yeah. I want to sign that big on we'll my see, lawn. Yeah, QB yeah. one gets treated. Yeah, pretty well. Um, so in the scene where Darcy played by Ali Larder Sports or Whipped Cream Bikini. It's actually shaving cream that they use because whipped cream wouldn't stick. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Ali Larder and Amy Smart are actually best friends in real life and have been for 20 years since the shooting of this movie. Look at that. Wouldn't, wouldn't you know it? Hey. So Mo- uh, Mox wears uh, jersey number four in homage to Vanderbeek's favorite football player, Brett Favre. Ooh, Ooh. Mrs. Webster's not going to like that one. No. Uh-oh. No, no, no. The old gunslinger. Yeah. <laughs> So Joshua Jackson was considered for the role of Mox. Pacey? Yeah. Really? Ooh. The Dawson's Creek fans are going crazy. It's just yeah. spiraling, guys. It's spiraling yeah. right now together. Yeah, I don't know if he pulls. I don't know if Charlie Conway pulls it off as well. I don't know. That'd be a tough sell because he was he was already established as Charlie yeah. Conway at this point. 
you might you might get too many people like kind of looking at him going that's charlie conway what's he he's doing also playing? canadian i'm going know? vanderbeek yeah i gotta go with vanderbeek i'm here. going vanderbeek yeah, i'm happy yeah, with it i'm going vanderbeek here's an interesting one so university of toronto trademarked the name varsity blues for its sports teams in the mid 80s u of t complained the movie presented sports in a negative light and sued paramount pictures settling for an undisclosed amount and setting up eight scholarships for academically accomplished student athletes. Just because the Coyotes would beat the Varsity Blues in football every time <laughs> doesn't mean you get to sue them. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's kind of cool that they at least they won and they end up setting up these scholarships. That's kind of nice. I'd like yep. to know when the Can last time the U of T Varsity Blues won a football game. I don't know. Get at us on social. If you're a U of T varsity blues football player, let us know the last time you won a football game. I think it was 99 when they were trying to get Moxon to come on a on a academic scholarship or yeah, something. Right. He, let's just turn down Brown and we're going to go to U of T. Yeah. going to live on Spadina. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll give you a couple bar tabs at the ferret. <laughs> the ferret. We're going to the Brunny. Going to the old U of Brunny. The Brunny would have been running back. Hey, do you think Mox would get up and tickle the keys there at the the Maddie? Ah, the Maddie. I love the Maddie. I love the Maddie. Um, the new tweeter end zone dance. I don't know if you guys uh, thought it looked familiar, but it was uh, kind of stolen from the Icky Shuffle, the t- touchdown dance innovated by Icky Woods, the running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, and oh, then from ninety eight. I love that guy. Eighty eight to nineteen ninety one. I remember him. He had some. I remember I had some one of those like corny VHS football like hardest hitters, whatever, and they had like Icky Woods doing the Icky Shuffle and that a few times. So, yeah, pretty sick. Two principal cast members have died since the movie's release. So, obviously, Paul Walker, tragically, and uh, Ron Lester passed away in 2016. So, he played Billy Bob. Additionally, Joe Pitchler, who played Johnny Moxon's little brother, has been missing since January 5th, 2006. They haven't declared him dead because they haven't found a body or anything. So He's probably hiding in Mox's pants. I think he joined one of those actual cults. Yeah. Okay, I... I'm, Messing around and it's probably sad, but anyway, we can have some light with it. So there were plans for a television series based on the movie. Uh, the series was also going to feature Ron Lester reprising his role as Billy Bob, but for unknown reasons, the plans never got past the pilot episode. I'm kind of glad they didn't. Yeah, it's those kind of things are tough. Everything was ahead of uh, actually Friday Night Lights. I think I have a note on it later, but this was actually based on the book written because the book was written back in the early 90s. I actually have it. I've read it. It's a good book. I forget who. Buzz Bissinger. Buzz, yeah, Buzz Bissinger, I think, who wrote it. Um, so apparently they based, you know how with like the program, they take all the college football cliches and jam them into a movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of do that with high school football in Texas with this movie, right? Like they take all the cliches and put it into one. So that was kind of based on... A, a few different things. It was based on Bissinger's book and also, which was called Friday Night Lights, and a couple of other things as well. So, but I, I, I think they wanted to get rights to some of the story, but they couldn't work something out in advance. Eventually, Bissinger ended up selling the story to uh, Peter Berg's group or whatever that did the actual movie. Oh, okay. So this actually was supposed to be is kind of based on that loosely. And it came out ahead of Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is a little bit more in depth because it was based on the actual specifics yeah, of that. Friday Night Lights is more of a drama for sure. It is for sure. This is yes. a bit more of a comedy. Um, inspired. We'll say this was inspired. Inspired by, Friday by it. Night Lights. Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. So really, you could have had Friday. You basically could have had almost like ahead of times Friday Night Lights TV series as well if this TV series had come to light. I wonder if they would have done a TV series if this one actually came out. Another yeah, I don't know. another reason I'm glad they didn't because we wouldn't have had Coach Taylor maybe. Mm, we wouldn't have Tammy and gotta Coach. have gotta have my Coach Taylor. And no Tyra. Pre- I mean, the, the other thing is, it's not going to translate from movie. To, you're not getting whipped cream bikinis in television. No, no, no. you're not. No, they would have had to be an HBO. not on like one of the major networks that probably would have picked this up. Maybe MTV was going to air. I don't know. Yep, yeah, yeah. There's sure. a lot of characters from Friday Night Lights that we would never have had. That's right. Riggins. Yeah. Riggins. Yep. Texas forever, baby. Yeah, I mean. So uh, Mark Robert Ellis was the football technical consultant slash coordinator on the film. And so we talked, we've talked. we talked about this with other movies. Like if your movie has like a, a consultant, a technical consultant, and JR, I think you used the word longevity. Hmm. You're going you're gonna to have much more, you're going to give your movie longevity because it's, it's, it's more realistic. Even if it's like a kind of a comedy offbeat movie, having that realism tied into it goes a long way and they nailed it on this movie too and mark so mark robert ellis has 
got a hell of a resume. He, he's been a consultant on a lot of sports movies, including The Program, Jerry Maguire, The Waterboy, Any Given Sunday, The Replacements, Summer Catch, Hardball, The Rookie, Playmakers, the series. Remember that series? Oh, yeah. Uh, Miracle, uh, Mr. 3000, oh, The God. Longest Yard, We Are Marshall, Uncle Drew, and actually many more. I just kind of was like, I'm, I'm going to take too much airtime with this. Uh, Ellis played football at Appalachian State University. So, so he clearly played a lot of other sports, too, given that yeah. he's, he's into those. He, he would have been one of those studs. Anybody that plays yeah. at a high level in the U.S. usually came up as a three-sport athlete. Yeah, or, or I was going to say, or he's got connections with guys who he, have played for sure. at a high level. I was thinking that, too. too. I'm sure he's got yeah. the hookups at this point. Yeah. His dossier would be deep enough that he oh, could yeah. just be like, I need this, this, this person. This guy knows his stuff, and when you think of those movies that I just named off, they've got a lot of like really good sports mm-hmm. scenes. Like Their scenes are really well done. Yeah, like this one in particular, like you could just, you know, when they talk about things like running the power eye and like even just some of the hits. Oh, God. Like when you think about some of the the passes that Mox throws across the middle and Tweeter just gets absolutely upended and destroyed. You're like, yeah, that's realistic. That's real. You're going across the middle and you're throwing a ball that's way too high. You're going to get upended and knocked on your ass. Yeah. Yeah. How about this one? Chris Klein was originally tabbed to play Jonathan Moxon. Yeah, good call on passing on him. He's yeah, unbelievable to me. No? No. He's big, though. He is really big. And he showed he's a pretty good athlete in uh, American Pie. Yeah, I think he's Oz. really athletic, old Oz striker. I just, I think Mox, I think Vanderbeek was a great Mox. Yeah, I think they nailed it. I feel apparently like Chris they, Klein is just too dumb. Apparently, Chris mm. Klein was too tall, they thought. He's, he's big. Compared well, yeah, to like, you're going to have to have somebody that's smaller than Lance to be a little bit more uh, and like believable. And, you know, like How tall is Billy Bob? Billy Dude, Bob, like, you yeah, he's be, not that big. He he's going to be too much taller than he Billy He said Bob. in an interview he's six feet. I don't believe that because when you see him in scenes, he looks shorter than Maybe him. wide. Yeah, <laughs> so if you have <laughs> yeah. like Chris Klein, I don't care how tall he is, but he's pretty tall. Like you don't he's like 6'2", I think. You don't want to be that much taller than your main, you know, your Well, I was going to say, he's, and he's also supposed to be the backup. Like, is it that believable that he's going to be that big and that strong and be the mm-hmm. backup when he, he's that, like, especially if they're running a power offense? I don't know. He's too yep. handsome, too. Yeah. You can't have a handsomer guy than Lance in there. It's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah good point. So, Elil Swinton who played Wendell Brown. He played football at Stanford, earning all Pac-10 honors and was named Freshman Player of the Year in 1993. Swinton later signed as an undrafted free agent with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was a strong safety. Swinton stayed in football and became the National Scouting Director for National Collegiate Scouting Association, NCSA. I've heard of that. It's a pretty big scouting thing. It's, it's actually the largest scouting organization in the world. He is also the founder of the non-for-profit Carpe Diem Sports Academy and was an ambassador and certified trainer for the Nike Spark program. Hmm. What wow. a what a resume. That's legit. And and like all those scenes they show in the thing when he's running the ball and like when he's playing like you you're like I remember like the first time I watched him I'm like that guy's a stud. Like he must have played somewhere. When he breaks one tackle, cuts right, gives a quick high step, you're like, "Oh, this whoever is doing this, yeah, it, this person knows what they're doing." When he's like pumping out of that, he's got the pistons going coming yeah. out of that tackle. I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, he's, he's a, Smash Williams before Smash Williams too." Yeah, hundred like percent. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. good call, Webb. Terrible hairline though. Needs a new barber. <laughs> oh. Get a new barber. Trev downtown. Yeah, Trev. Yeah, <laughs> call him up. Uh, so Scott Con on taking the role of Charlie Tweeter. I was complaining to my friends, like, oh, I'm not going to like these guys. They're just a bunch of actors, you know. Paul Walker was one of the first people Khan, who played Charlie Tweeter, uh, met on set, and they immediately clicked. Shortly thereafter, they decided to room together during the film's production. They got a two-bedroom apartment that they shared just outside of Austin, and it was like a frat house, according to Khan. Can you imagine <laughs> the oh. parties? Awesome. And the things that went down in that two There's bedroom apartment. There's probably a lot of whipped cream bikinis going through that <laughs> two-bedroom apartment. They would, they would have had the people on the first floor complain about floods coming through. <laughs> <and stuff like. laughs> yeah, that that you guys said about everything you need to say. <laughs> We're good. So according to Ron Lester, James Vanderbeek had a terrible arm. Major Applewhite. What a name. Major Applewhite. Oh, yeah. Who was the current, at the time of the filming, he was the University of Texas QB at the time. Uh, so he was brought in to double for Van- Vanderbeek. So all those, the cannons you're talking about, Webb, that's not Vanderbeek. That's Major Applewhite. 
fair enough. Make sure you salute the major. I remember Major Applewhite. I don't remember. Applewhite. I don't remember. I totally remember. <laughs> I remember to UT. He started ahead of. They of course had, you do. <laughs> they had a stud at bat. At, they were supposed to have this stud starter. It's like maybe a McCoy of some sort. One of those McCoy boys or yeah. something. Old McCoy. That's maybe. Later on. That's like your. No, there was a guy. I can't remember who it was. Who was supposed to be Chris Sims, maybe or somebody? I forget. Don't quote me on who it was, but Major Applewhite came in and took over, and they couldn't get him out of there. Did, and he, they were march, and did he march them down the field? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was legit for University of Texas football. He's no joke. So Amy Smart said that John Voigt was a treat to work with. He was a huge mentor to the mainly young staff, and he was a guiding light for us all. That's kind of cool to hear. Totally. He, you know, he's yeah, he's, he, if you remember their acting, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, he's probably a great guy. Yeah. Uh, Ron Lester said that Scott Kahn cock-blocked him once. Uh, Lester cites his nearly 500-pound girth as a reason that he hadn't snagged a girlfriend at the time of filming. So when he connected with an extra from the strip club scene and brought her back to his place, he was stoked. Right when things were getting good, Scott Kahn walks into my room and says, I need to borrow your camera for an audition. Dude, I was so close, he says. Are you kidding me? I don't know if that story is all that I'm, true. I think he might be making something up here. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it on that one. Yeah, I might be calling bullshit there. Yeah, it's being called. Back to Major Applewhite for a minute. <laughs> Apparently, he was the head coach of the University of Houston from 2016. I believe it. To 2018. Good football player. I don't remember yeah. that. I just looked him up. That's pretty, he was also the QB coach at Syracuse. I thought he hey, was. There you go. I always thought he was a pretty good field general. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, bum. He'll be here all week, folks. Try the prime rib. Don't forget to tip your waitress. Oh, my gosh. Um, you'll like this, JR, because you always love this stuff. But during the eight-week shoot, they filmed in the 8,500-seat 8, high school stadiums in Elgin and Georgetown, Texas. Nice. That's crazy, eh? Those those far away, awesome. how, how far away are those places from... Uh, they, they, I think they're pretty pretty close to Austin. I think that everything was shot in and around the yeah, Austin it's area. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I the only high school football stadium I actually saw, I didn't actually go to the one when I was in Amarillo because I lived in Canyon, Texas, which was like 26 miles outside of Amarillo. Okay. But uh, I went to, when we went to play Odessa, Odessa, Texas, which is like a dusty little town, we got out of the, we got off the bus and I right across from the rink was uh, Permian High School. Mm-hmm. Where oh, they nice. they sh- they actually did the movie and it was actually based on the Friday Night Lights. So, but I remember we went over to the field uh, to do some running around, like stretching and stuff. And that stadium, I was looking at it. I'm like, because the only other like references I had around here was like you know Queens Richardson Stadium or whatever. Of course, this place was like incredible. It was huge. It, it seated like ten thousand. It was massive. Wow. I was like, wow, this is a high school stadium. But they have some sick stadiums down in Texas. It's sure. just crazy, too, how, like, money gets pumped into football. And, and you can't get a ticket. School could be falling apart. I was but, talking to the, oh, the guy that worked at the rink and one of the ticket guys, and I'm like, like, what are the games like? He's like, buddy, you like they're sold out before the season. You can't get a ticket in there. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay. Just crazy. <laughs> Interesting. So in 2019, the FBI charged some 50 people, including several celebrities, with conspiracy to fraudulently influence academic and acad- athletic admissions decisions on several elite colleges and universities. Multiple news outlets, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC, reported that the FBI's internal code name for the investigation was Operation Varsity Blues after the 1999 movie. One of the movie stars, James Vanderbeek, tweeted a wry response to the scandal and its name. If only there was a succinct term of phrase that these kids could have used to inform their parents that uh, they were not desirous of that life path. (laughs) This is a joking (laughs) reference to the dramatic moment in the movie when Vanderbeek's character, Jonathan Moxon, tells his father, Playing out West Canaan, Texas may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. (laughs) That's 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 pretty good. That's pretty um, good. That, that speaks to the staying power of this movie too. Oh yeah, yes, totally. Let's let's do the realism review now, boys. What do you, was the movie realistic and did it do justice to the sport? I had uh, under realism. I had a bunch of stuff that was real. I said Texas equals football. I just wrote in my notes. No question. Stadium named after the coach. You know the whole statue. I mean, I might be getting a little far, but the pep rallies. Those all seemed real. The parent culture. Big That's time. like, you know, where we live in Ontario, it's kind of like maybe the bit of the hockey culture kind of thing. Yep. Even to an extreme. Definitely the parent culture seems to be there. Holding kids back a year 
That happens. That's messed. Okay, that happened. Definitely. No, when Definitely. I went down to prep school, I had to repeat the 11th grade. Mm-hmm. So I finished the 11th grade in PEI, and then when I went down there, I had to go back into the 11th grade again. That does happen all the time. So a- athletic purposes, that was one thing that kind of stood out to me. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Some of the stuff that I had, not real, um, the sex ed teacher. It was great, but come on, yeah. let's be real. Uh, come on, I, it was probably one of the most iconic parts of the yeah. movie. It's right up there. Thrown in there for some comedy. Yeah, but not but really real. It wasn't that real, but I mean, on the oop de oop offense, Gilroy, use a timeout. <laughs> yeah. Mix in a timeout. You have a bunch of that. You have three. You're Get getting out coached right now by two high school kids. Yeah, like putting that out there. I'm just saying they're they're out coaching you. Some of those things. A couple of the hits. There was one hit on Mox in the Gilroy game. Gilroy's are huge hits. That the guy literally just cranked oh, him with his helmet when he dove. When he dove and his helmet. Oh, he would have been out cold. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I, did I mean, I, those are a few of the things I had. Pretty much, web. Those are some of the other ones. You can add some of the things that you saw. Yeah, so uh, I, I thought you kind of nailed the head on a lot of things. Uh, the other thing that was really authentic, obviously, were the numbers. We talked a little bit about this earlier today. Mm. Like, they all had legit football numbers for their position. The fact that they, you know, uh, Wendell talks about how they're a running team. And, and I mean, they're running a power eye offense. That's a that's largely a running offense. couple of things that I thought were, were kind of uh, <laughs> ridiculous. The play that, that Lance gets hurt. Billy Bob would have been called offside. Yeah, Good point. He, he did move <laughs> right uh, because there's an offside later on in the game, and it's and it's called. Billy Bob's getting called offside for that one. So a little bit there. Apparently, we don't believe in intentional grounding in high school football because Mox just drills two <laughs> mascots. Um, so that was another thing. That's funny though. There's no. I I I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn here because Jr. You can probably speak to this a little bit more. Haven't played it in the states, but. The, the whole Kilmer piece, I'm, that's just totally unrealistic to me in the fact that they're going to put up with that much abuse without basically laying hands on this guy. Like, if you're grabbing me by the face mask and pulling me all around a room, I'm sorry, I'm not putting up with that. My helmet's coming off and it's going up your ass or across your head. I think um, it speaks, though, to his power. And, and, yeah. And they're, like, held by that dream. Like, they wouldn't do anything to ruin that dream of... Playing. I guess so. You know I just, I, mean? I just, he holds their dream. I think as a grown up, you're like, Whoa. I found that a little over the top. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that's what it is. It's a different perspective at this point. That was, so those were a couple things. The other thing I thought was kind of neat. This is kind of the first time we see a hurry up offense before hurry up offenses were really a big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so we see other than like, you know, your two minute drill, but the first time I think I remember seeing it in a movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, definitely in a movie. The old K gun. Sometimes the Buffalo would get the K gun going, but that's yeah. about it. The other thing, this is my most, I'm going to sound like a total scumbag probably for saying this, but I'm going to say it, the most unrealistic thing. There's no way Mox turns down that whipped cream bikini. As a a red-blooded teenage boy, there ain't no way in hell he's turning down that whipped cream bikini. I'm sorry. That's totally unrealistic. How how does he not end up whipped cream on him when she comes over and kind of hugs him? Again. Yeah, I don't know. He ain't turning it down. (laughs) Not not the brain of a high school kid. No. No. He's thinking with his other head. (laughs) This is purple-headed yogurt slinger. Pedro. He has a lot of names for it. Pedro. Pedro. Uh, yeah. No, I think you guys nailed pretty much most of it. Uh, I just had a couple of, like quick ones. Like Tweeter as the team farms. This is kind of like, you know, there were there were guys that always had the hookups, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Players being urged, even forced to play injured. That's that's pretty normal what we saw. Players getting free passes and, and players getting free things in town. Yeah. The, those towns, like, they shut down. Everything revolves around the football. So the kids getting getting the, the God treatment, so to speak, That that's all realistic. A lot of the football scenes were really well done. Obviously, they had a, a good consultant. Yard signs, great uniforms, all that stuff nice I thought uniforms. was really realistic. A couple unrealistic things. I think we already talked about when Mox intentionally grounds, like throws the ball out. He would have just spiked it. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he would have just, just come clock, up on yeah. the ball and clocked the ball. Yeah. Like there's no way he's throwing it. Tweeter stealing the cop car is funny, but not uh, overly realistic. Like he might get off a bit easy, but he's missing games for that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. like that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Wendell's speech about recruiting is a bit off, I thought. In Texas high school football, nobody really slips through the cracks, especially a guy that's racking that many yards. He yeah. was averaging 133 a game, he yeah. said. He Those guys aren't going under the radar. Those Power 5 colleges have eyes everywhere, especially if this is a team that's always competing for the state title every year. Yeah. These players don't rely on their coaches to get them scholarships. I mean, coaches will help, 
like with character reviews and things like that. But they've they it's heavily recruited. Uh, if you're tearing up Florida, Texas, or California football, you're someone's seen you. You're not you're slipping good. through the cracks if you you're have the, that, those numbers. The night out before the game doesn't make a lot of sense because why? Why wouldn't you go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? They, they would go Thursday night, the night before a game, especially when they're making a run. No coaches around for the second half of the final game. Like they would have had to have an accredited coach on the sidelines in order to continue. Uh, the second half of the game just it was kind of like a little bit cheesy. Just I feel like. The movie was super tight all the way up to that point, and then they got you know some corny lines, and then some just a few things were a bit cheesy. And the, the second half of that final game, you got to end it. Yeah, we had to wrap it up. Yeah, but other than that, I thought everything was pretty good. You guys have anything else to add? Nope, I do not. No, I think we got them all. Oh, I had one last thing I wanted to mention. Did you guys notice who Lance's little brother was? Yes, Landry. Yes. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Jesse Plemons. Oh, nice Landry catch. Landry from Friday Night Lights. Like yeah, a good I had Landry. that in my notes too, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was oh, pretty cool. Oh, the good Landry. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the soundtrack. The film was scored by musician and composer Mark Isham. So he scored many films, most notably A River Runs Through It, which he was noted, uh, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Score. He also did Waterworld, Blade, October Sky, Men of Honor, Miracle, Crash, Warrior, and 42. What did you guys think of the soundtrack? I thought it was just a great late 90s, early 2000s, having been around high school kind of soundtrack. Webb, I'll let you get more in-depth on this, but I enjoyed the soundtrack. I thought Thunderstruck was always a classic song to put in when you're getting dummied and work. Yeah. I thought it kind of fit the bill. But overall, it uh, it was great. MTV seemed to, obviously, they should put something pretty good together, and I enjoyed it, Webb. Perfect uh, soundtrack for this high school movie. A lot of good bands that would have been good high school bands at the time. You can never go wrong with some good punk rock tunes, right? So lots of Green Day in there, some Offspring in there. And just the placing of some of those songs I thought was really good. Even uh, at the end with the end credits and they go with Collective Soul Run, which was yeah. a huge song mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like just I thought it was really, really well done. And, you know, just some of the bands that are on there, obviously Foo Fighters is one of my favorites. And, and uh, the fact that it was on there when they were making a run was was huge. And like Mox is taking over the reins and being the hero. Like, well done in my mind. Got nothing bad to say about it. I, I think it's one of my favorite scored sports movies. Like I thought from a soundtrack standpoint, it might be my favorite soundtrack. It could, sports yeah. Movie. It's up there. I agree. It's a good, really just, good one. You know, those bands, Offspring, like Green Day, I love we, those we, bands. We might have a different perspective true. just because of Very you know, true. the time in our life it was it was relevant. But Let's get into our uh, movie wrap-up. Where does this rank among all-time football movies and where do you have it all-time sports? I'm going to go, it's going to be high in the all-time football movies for me. Um, I'm trying to think what I would, I've got probably, I'll say it's four for me. Uh, I think I got at least three ahead of it. I, I'm trying to think... If it, yeah, I'm gonna go four. Um, all time sports movies. It might make, it might make my top ten. Uh, if not, it's just on the outside. It might be at like eleven or twelve. It's it's up there for me. I, I I've watched this movie more times than I can remember. And it, like I said, some of the the fact that it's got you know we we've got a great soundtrack. We've got some pretty legit actors in it, uh, and we've got uh, the longevity piece of having some people who actually know the game a little bit. It makes it seem realistic. Um, that's it, It's high for me. I, I'd say, yeah, it's probably in the top 10, anywhere between 9 and 12. I, I, I'd have to go and look over my list again, but I think I've got it at like 11. Hmm, that's fair. Pretty similar, Web. I got to say top five football, no doubt, somewhere in there for me. Um, I would put it in my top 10 or 11 of all time sports movies. It holds up. It goes to every time when this movie comes on, you love it. A lot of different people can watch this movie and enjoy it as well. So I feel like it holds some range. The cast is awesome. Uh, the era for people our age, there's a lot of nostalgia in it. You yeah, just, 100%. you just kind of put you back in that place for an hour and 44 minutes where you're like, Oh yeah, this is great. And then you kind of leave it. Yep. But overall, really enjoyed this movie. I'll watch it anytime it's on or I'll throw the DVD in. It's a once a year movie if I can watch it. It really is for me. I really enjoy it. Yeah, so before you jump in, Jamie, I was going to say, yeah, the running time alone is is a, a huge seller, right? Like, it's not too long. It's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. It, it's in my top five, probably around five. They just do a good job. I think they had to jam a lot of things into this movie, and I think you, they did it well. Mm-hmm. 
Like we talked about the program had to slam a bunch of cliches in there. I think Barcy Blues does it just a little bit better. Um, but they, I did, it, it was a good job. And then my all-time sports, I'm, I think I'm about the same. It's somewhere, it's towards the back of my top 10, but somewhere around there. Uh, thanks everybody again for listening, engaging us with, uh, with us on social. Uh, let us know this week what your favorite high school go-to beer is. Uh, I'd be curious to see some of the pictures. Uh, so don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks and on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, not have to see JR in his whipped cream bikini very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to the town of Laval. Appreciate that. Shout out Laval. Laval, yeah, thank you. Laval, a lot of, we've had a lot of listeners in, uh, from Laval, so that, big shout out to them. Merci beaucoup à la personne dans la belle province de Laval et à la ville de Laval. Merci beaucoup. Take us away, Steve-O. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the lead. Staring. Fun facts and trivia, man, rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jamma with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jamma with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jamma with Big League